Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel. Where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another. Where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha. Told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, everybody. This is Broncos for Breakfast. This is not Nick over here on this side. This is Eric Trickle joining me. It feels like Broncos for I stayed up way too late and I'm hitting the Waffle House at five in the morning for Eric Trickle, who is four hours behind uh, East Coast time. So it is bright and early at 530 a.m. Uh, <laughs> Eastern in Alaska. And Eric, I certainly appreciate you stepping up and joining the show so my voice wouldn't give out. How are you doing this morning? Good. I'm a little tired. I stayed up way too late watching the game over. And I mean, I I'm a night owl anyways. So it's easy for me and I don't get much sleep, but there's definitely still a little bit of sleepiness here. And, but I'm excited to get this kind of talk about the Broncos and their win yesterday, though. It wasn't really, you know, <laughs> your voice, a went game up, that Eric, I, don't, I don't feel like you believe that. I feel like you're <laughs> lying to me. It, it was just a game where the win didn't feel, you know, really deserved, but a win's a win rather win ugly than lose pretty, you know? Yeah, we talked about, oh, you dominated the game, but you fumbled away. You know, it it was a flip of the scripts uh, from last week where you you played okay, honestly, on defense, especially in the second half. You dominated, but lost because you're giving the ball away at the end, uh, you know, instead of finishing off drives. And this one, your defense has really kept you in this game. I guess I, I want to take a page from the, the huddle up, the, the Mile High Huddle boys, and just say, what was your gut reaction? You know, as soon as the, the final whistle goes, what was your gut reaction to this win? It was, thankfully, we won. But there is so much that they've got to work on. I I don't have much confidence for the rest of the season. And mm -hmm. it feels bad to say that because there is so much newness with this team. But we kept seeing a same level of inept ineptitude that we saw in the final seven minutes of the Seahawks game for three quarters against the Houston Texans in the home opener. So they don't even have crowd noise as a, you know, shrug it off kind of thing of uh, excuse. So it's just, they got to figure this out. And otherwise it's going to be a rough season that falls well short of expectations. So, I mean, the, 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 the disorganized nature of, the offense now we can play this all in the feet of nathaniel hackett but nathaniel hackett called three games in the preseason you know this isn't his first go around doing this 
you know, but this is the first time he's doing it with Russell Wilson as his quarterback. Is there a point where this partnership needs to dissolve where it's like, listen, I'm in charge, Russ, you know, this is what we're going to do. Do you think that's part of the problem or how can you put your finger on the fact that it seems like it is taking forever to get a playoff all the time under any circumstances? It just seems like there's a lot of miscommunication or do you think it's almost an argument? No, we're going to do this. No, we're going to do this. No, I want to do this. Dude, shut up. Someone's got to be in charge. Yeah, and on I think it was last week on Value Divers, I made a comment about can Hackett tell the players no? And that seems to be part of the issue. I'm not exactly sure how play calling's going. From what they talked about in the offseason and preseason, it seems like it's too much of a hive mind. Justin Outen gets his say, Nathaniel Hackett gets his say, Russell Wilson gets his. Just seems too much going on. And with the 40-second play call, play clock and you're not getting into the huddle until after 20 seconds left Mm -hmm. like you're gonna have issues because you got to speed up your any adjustments at the offensive line on the at the line you got to rush through getting the play call that can lead to many miscommunication so this process that they have whatever it actually is isn't working and either and and i hate saying this is that hack it needs to give up play calling but maybe that is the solution maybe justin outen upstairs won't be as influenced by russell wilson on the field or maybe it just needs to be a thing of okay we know what you like to do russell but here's the play call and then just kind of like in meetings take what he has to say and use that for game planning but still just have it be hacking and out and making the calls and speeding up that whole process yeah i think you know not necessarily giving up the play calling duties for me it's taking charge of the play calling duties. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, following college, a lot of times they'd give co-promotions. They didn't want to lose a coach. It was a good promoter. And he's like, oh, he's co-offensive coordinator. Man, whenever I hear the word co when it comes to in front of coordinator, that's bad. That is bad news because there's too many egos involved and they may all have the same common goal. But these are very egotistical people that have reached this level of the profession. I mean, I run into 12U baseball coaches that are arrogant beyond (laughs) belief, let alone the ones that go into this type of, uh, you know, this type of level. They all want their way. Well, you're a head coach. You know, at some point, it's got to be your way or no way. Uh, Can you do that? Have you, can, can you do that with, you can do that with who you've hired as your coordinator. Can you do that with Russell Wilson? Yeah, and that's definitely the difficult and or a difficult thing of it. And you know, having this the the ego thing that you're talking about, that was a big issue that everybody had with Vic Banjo and Pat Shermer last year. They had this ego to them that they just wouldn't really listen to anybody else. And now we're I don't we and now with Hackett is he's stepping into a situation where he finally gets to be the play caller. And part of me wishes that he would have a little bit more of that ego and just the cojones to tell Wilson no, because we haven't seen it yet. We saw them say we saw them refuse to say no to a kicker wanting to kick a 64 yard field goal in week one. And it's just a compounding issues that we're having. We're getting from Hackett and it's so problematic. It's hurting the team and the solution here. There's got to be something, but how can you tell your $250 million quarterback? No, even though you took the ball out of his hands in the first game, 
there you, you still have that issue. Yeah, there, there you go. And it's, it's real easy. I mean, I'm the coach. This isn't working. We're going to, tr- we're going to try this my way for a little bit. You know, that's, that, that's the way it's got to be unless it's a bigger issue. And, you know, we, <laughs> you know, we're making all of these assumptions. The bigger issue might be, he didn't call plays in green Bay. Did I, I don't believe no that, that was, came from no, the head coach. Was so yeah, that came from the head coach. So it could be a bigger issue, you know, that you're trying to balance. I'm the head coach with really a first time play caller, or at least I haven't done it in a while. Um, that's a lot that, that is a lot in the, dis- the, the question of, you know, this young staff, how is that going to work? Well, right now it's not working very well. Let's say hello to some folks in the chat, including Addison, who just came in to get us started breaking the ice coming in green with a super chat this morning. Thank you guys very much. He says, in your, <clears throat> in your opinion, do you think Hackett survives past this year? Sadly, I don't. And who would be a good replacement if it came to that? I'm not going into replacements right now. I, I think, um, you know, one, I don't know who the candidates would be Two, the candidates now will be very different in a year and, you know, in eight months, uh, and three, yes, I, I think he still survives the year. He's got a lot of growing to do, uh, but he's got, while it seems like he doesn't have much time, he does, you know, a, a mu- two weeks is a long time in uh, in the NFL. That's a long time to get things different, get things going. And, and Eric, it feels like, again, the stuff that's so concerning is so concerning because it feels so basic. Get to the line of skirmish sooner. That doesn't seem hard. Let's not let's not commit fifteen penalties a half, <laughs> you know. And, and and they they are able to clean that up from half to half. It seems like so we know you can, you know. But that's what seems so scary. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. To, yeah, to I mean, fans, it's like this is the easy stuff, guys. Yeah, it's one thing if you're struggling at the difficult stuff, but I mean, this is it's basic football. It's basic football that you know that you're going to take not quite a full ten seconds, but take a decent amount of time in the huddle calling the play. Then you know you need time adjust or time to make adjustments out there and still get the call. Off. So you got to get the call off call in earlier. You know, basic. I mean, and a lot of these penalties are basic penalties to keep from happening i saw um, a number last night that denver's already committed four delay of game penalties this season they've committed i believe in the last four years it was like 15 total a high of five like 
so there's this huge change there and it's not an issue of they're still learning the offense or thing it's they're simply not getting the plays in on time mm-hmm. tackling is something that is fundamental in football and it seems to be such an issue not going not having these stupid penalties of taunting or um, some of these unnecessary roughness penalties those are basic things and we're seeing issues with this team with it so it is a reason to be concerned and just real quick it's like i don't think hackett gets fired after the season if he continues at this level then he definitely should but i think that when people talk about hackett being potentially fired is I don't see how George Payton isn't handcuffed to him at this point. Yeah, and Willie comes in with that question. Should Payton step in and didn't Hackett run the red zone offense in Green Bay? And Bam Eggs says something a little bit more. I was referring to Green Bay as far as play calling. I don't, I hadn't heard of Nathaniel Hackett. I, I didn't, again, Eric and Nick and Lance, they dive much deeper into the rest of the NFL that I do. I'm going to talk more about what I'm seeing now. So that's where, you know, what I remember was that he wasn't calling the plays in Green Bay. Did he run the the red zone offense? That seems weird. (laughs) It's like, okay, we're inside the 20. Now you call plays. That, that seems, that seems a little strange. You know, did he coordinate maybe? Um, But I'm not sure on that one. Thanks for the super Willie. Appreciate you coming in green. Yeah. I don't think he called the red zone offense in Green Bay. And the only time that I know he called plays was at Syracuse because I believe during his time as the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville, I believe it was Doug Marone, I believe was the head coach then, was still calling the plays. So Hackett may have had more of a say then, but it was very much in Green Bay. It was very much Lafleur was calling the plays. Hackett just had a voice in the game planning. And Diamond Rattler comes in. He says, the Broncos overnight have gone from two and a half point favorite versus San Fran to one point home dog. Must have took a minute for the odds makers to factor in the Broncos in-game management. Um, and CC comes in. He also says, I just want Patrick Sertan to be okay. Then I'll be able to sleep somewhat tonight. And and this is becoming a, a concern, Eric, the injuries that are, that are stepping up. Um, when it comes to play calling, it feels to me, and maybe it's not, but it feels to me they're running right tackle every freaking play, almost every time. The only time it's going left is on a, a backside cutback. And we know what's the big problem on the offensive line coming into this. It's right tackle. And we're on a second string right guard, and yet we're running right every single time. So the injuries are here. So you're Pat Sertan. Jerry Judy is a concern um, coming in. So, yeah, the, the injuries are are are, uh, pack, are stacking up a little bit, CC. And there is some good news on the injury front. Denver is expected to have Billy Turner and Josie Jewell back for this next game. Sounded like they kind of rested him one extra though. week for San Francisco. And then... With Patrick Sertan, I guess Mike Kliz last night made a comment on the news talking about injured reserve with him. So at least four weeks, Jerry Judy did get positive results back on his x-rays, but they're going to do more testing today um, to see what's going on there. But injuries are a concern. They've been a concern for years. And I'm not, I try not to blame the strength and conditioning coach too much because sometimes injuries just happen. But at some point, you got to take a look and be, what's going on here? Why is it such a consistent issue for this Broncos team, whereas other teams, yeah, sure, they have their injuries, but it's not as consistent or as severe as it has been with the Broncos. Yeah, there, there is a, uh, a site, and I can look it up again um, next time. I'll have it for you as a talking point on DVDD. 
there's I, I did a Google search. It was like games missed due to injury. And like for the last three years, the Broncos are in the bottom five. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, well, this isn't just a blip anymore. This is pretty consistent. And uh, I didn't put your name in the in the intro. Actually, I didn't put Nick's either because Nick texted me late last night. He's like, I am available tomorrow. I'm like, you talk to Eric. I already got Eric. So it's <laughs> up to Eric now. So I didn't put his name, but it is Eric Trickle from Dub Valley Deep Divers on Friday nights. Uh, great show with him and Lance and and me. Uh, they like to call me the Deacon for some reason because I'm not a I'm not a not a not a football priest, so I'm the Deacon. So Sunny Day is coming in with the Hearts and Stars. Chase Wellner coming in. It's a morning. All that game was was <laughs> uglier than my prom date. Well, that one was on you. <laughs> <laughs> that one was on you. And Jennifer Cop comes in. Welcome, Jennifer, coming in on YouTube with with something that I think when I've, I've said the word scary, Eric, it's scary to fans. This doesn't just seem like nerves and coaching experience. Some of this has the feel of incompetence. You know, um, I mean, Chad picked up on what I was telling him beforehand. You know, this perma grin. I'm just happy to be here. Look, look at my life. Nathaniel Hackett, you know. It's. It feels a little bit the, the the phrase I've been using for the for the Broncos in my head the last twenty four hours has been overcorrection, and I think it started maybe with Nathaniel Hackett being an overcorrection. I'm not saying he's going to fail, but right now this is where it it feels like with the player personnel, the buddy buddy is a complete one eighty from Vic Fangio. And where this really hit me last last night, Eric, was it took until the middle of the second quarter for the wide receiver to get a target in game one. In game two, they're forcing it to the wide receivers. <laughs> you know, it's all to the wide receivers. It's like it was an overcorrection. When does balance come in? Where's the happy medium? Yeah, and that's something that I was absolutely ripping them for all day yesterday, which is this complete overcorrection. I mentioned it with the usage of the wide receivers and just completely ignoring the tight ends and running backs in the passing game for so long. I think in total tight ends and running backs had like six targets on the game or something like that. But also when they got into the red zone, when they got near the goal line, we saw the same play back to back goal line fades and then a third passing play. Not once did they run it in that situation over correcting from the fact that on fourth down twice running out of shotgun, they fumbled the ball like you can't have such drastic overcorrections. And it's again, it's going back to the fundamentals of it is not saying run the ball four times when you're within five yards of the goal line, but you can't go up there and you can't pass it three times and kick a field goal. You got to have some variety to it and you can't run the same play back to back. Sure. The backside fade almost worked the first time, but then Russell Wilson turned it around and threw a terrible pass on the second attempt following that, that was more towards the corner than the receiver. So it's just, again, it's just balance. And I'm very big on finding balance with play calling with everything. And there just hasn't been it at all from this Broncos coaching staff. And Gary leads Palmer coming in with the stars. Thank you for the support, Gary. I think we get to see you this Sunday. If I'm not mistaken, looking forward to that, the meet and greet. Uh, it says, good morning, Scott and Eric, exclamation point. <laughs> I'm more concerned about the injuries than anything go Broncos. It it compounds. It's all connected. Um, and, you know, for, for all the talk about Russell Wilson, 
When I'm watching the game on the condensed replay, it's rapid fire. I mean, it's an ADD game. You watch the whole thing in about 30 minutes. I couldn't get over how many drop passes there were. You know, so it felt like every other pass was a drop pass. So we can start knocking Russell Wilson for this, knocking him for that. Uh, too much time in the play clock. This is hack it. But boys, some of y'all, you're getting paid to catch a football. You, you got to catch it. You know, and, and it wasn't just one player. It was four or five that were that were uh, that were dropping balls. Yeah, I want to say it was five total drops by four different players. I think I think that's what it was. Yeah, that sound that's that feel that my eye test tells me that's that's what it felt like watching the game. And thanks again, Gary. And one of the drops, like the drop by Albert Okwebnam, was just so egregious that it was terrible, and it really is hard to um, go back to Albert O after that. But the drop by Javante Williams, I put that one more on the quarterback. His mechanics in his lower half were so off on that throw. There was a rusher coming to his face. He had a sidearm. It, it, was, it was a bad throw. Like It's one of those situations where I get why you call it a drop. I wouldn't personally just because of the other aspects to it. But still hits Williams in the fingertips as he was reaching for it. So I get it. But drops were a major issue. Russell Wilson didn't look good outside of that, but those definitely did not help. Well, and we talked about the um, the line changing. I actually think that in the short term, you know, they're hacking on Jimmy G all you want. The guy wins football games. Uh, but the line changing, I think that I think San Francisco becomes a better team in the short term under Jimmy G than the unknown of Trey Lance, um, which changes the lines, which brings us to one of our sponsors today in my bookie. So Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence. It's a show of young guns in the old guard, and nothing makes these matchups more exciting than having skin in the game at MyBookie. MyBookie has super contests, survivor pools, and a double deposit bonus that gives you everything you need to secure the bag. Getting started is simple. Sign up today and use promo code WILSON22, and you'll double your first deposit instantly. That's promo code WILSON22 to double your deposit up to 1000 bucks with MyBookie. This isn't your grandfather's bookie. This is my bookie. Put your money where your mouth is and get rewarded for it. Begin your winning season today exclusively at my bookie. Eric, you got to like the idea of getting uh, a double the deposit, you know, the uh, the free money as long as you're putting it back into bets, you know. So appreciate my bookie. Uh, check them out. Help support those who support you and gamble wisely. Bet what you can lose. <laughs> getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Yeah, I'm not a big gambler, but anytime I hear a double deposit, like that definitely stands out. 
So if I was a gambler, I would definitely take advantage of that. I, I am way too superstitious. I, weird things happen as soon as I put money down. I've, I've shot craps <laughs> and I'll hedge and I'll get myself into a spot where it's like 16 to one in my favor. I can only lose with double fives, double fives. I'm like, that just doesn't, <laughs> it can't happen. The first time I played, uh, I think it was craps when I was like, oh, you can bet to lose. Oh, I cleaned house. I cleaned house. <laughs> I can bet on losing. I came away. I bet I won, you know, 20 to one. The next day, the gods figured it out. Wait a minute. This guy's winning. He's winning by losing. Flip that script. So, yeah, they, they caught up. That only worked once. So, um, yeah, I'm a decent, I'm a decent uh, consultant. As soon as my money goes in, things go weird. <laughs> things go really weird. Now, uh, there's some talk in here about the countdown clock. That... <laughs> It's embarrassing, you know, as, as people are, you know, you're having to do that. That said, Eric, I only heard it when they had the lead in the yeah. fourth quarter and you're actually trying to run down the clock. It's like, wait a minute, we've been practicing this for seven quarters, running the clock down. By God, we should be good at it now. Yeah, and it led to an interesting conversation between Lance, Carl, and I last night because we were talking about that and carl said is that it also as you do that it also is like tipping it a little bit to the defense like they could look up but they're trying to watch the ball they're looking for the snap so if they're hearing you give the call read count down the play clock they have a better idea of when the snap's coming so it could do as much harm as it can good and i absolutely oh, I don't love think they're doing it to help to to do good i think they're doing it to be sarcastic <laughs> yeah. and say yeah. listen you know, it's not it's not like a shot clock with a guy dribbling around the perimeter as the clock's winding down where you've got the ball to get the shot off. This is a, hey, dummies, the shot clock's winding down. The, the play clock's winding down. Please get the ball off. Yeah, and um, I, I think it was Javante Williams afterwards who had a comment on it that just made me laugh because it seemed like it could easily be have been taken as he's completely throwing the coaching staff under the bus for how long it's taking. Um, I, I wish I could find it. I was trying to find it, but it was a it I'll was a it great have it on the, the site afterwards. But he basically said, "Yeah, it, it helped. It helped us." And 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 it. I don't think it was throwing the coaching staff under the bus, but I don't think he meant it on purpose. Like maybe he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. It's too early for that. If this is you know week twelve, like yeah, you know, and these guys are out, but. Nathaniel Hackett's going to be his boss for a little while. He's, he's got to toe the line pretty nicely. Willie coming in, toeing the line, coming in blue with the super chat on YouTube. Not much gold zone with this team. Yeah, it's 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 bad uh, right now in the red zone. Um, let's see. Let's run it right tackle or throw fades. That's about yeah. it so far, isn't it, Eric? Yeah, that's been what is there. Owen. Five zero and six in the red zone with two fumbles and have walked away with I think six total points. Like that is a recipe for losing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Luckily, your defense has come up big against a couple teams that aren't real good on offense. Yeah, uh, you gave up seventeen and what was a what was the final nine. score yesterday? And, and nine. Yeah, yeah, seventeen and nine. So the defense is doing their jobs. They're they're holding up their end. I don't care who you're playing against. Um, you know, Detroit, they put up 30 plus yesterday 
Atlanta put up 30 plus against the Rams yesterday. It was close to that. I think, you know, they, they put up some numbers. Um, teams can go out, you know, Jacksonville put up some points yesterday. Indianapolis Colts did not. They got <laughs> goose egged, but coach Chris coming in here, not with the goose egg, but coming in Broncos orange on Broncos for breakfast. Says, good morning, fellas. I'm at a complete loss. Coaching is a joke. Can't manage a clock. I expected this last year, but with all the hype, there is no excuse. Fans counting the clock was hilarious. Russ, audible. When they're getting to the, and that's part of the problem, though. You know, isn't it, Chris? They're getting to the line with 10 seconds. You know, it's like walking up again. I'll use basketball with a shot clock. It's walking the ball up and getting into your offense with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. Every shot then becomes contested. Everything is panicked at the end. And that's how this offense feels right now. It's like, oh, super cool. Joe Cool Russ walking up to the line, super cool. But when you're out of time, then everything happens too fast. It's too panicky. It's discombobulated. And, well, I think those last three phrases were a good way to describe the Denver Broncos offense right now. Yeah, and when you're getting late up to the line and having to not necessarily rush to the call in the huddle, but kind of speed it up a little bit so you can get up there in time, that does a lot for your fourth string offensive ta right tackle who's starting because of injury and sadly outperforming your th your number three offensive tackle who had almost zero time with the ones in preseason or in training camp and your backup right guard. Like it just adds more strain to them, which adds on to the fact that that's who they're consistently running behind. And you can see it. I mean, the fumble front with against Seattle, there was miscommunication up front. They weren't able to hear the play. There was an audible. So when you are taking so long to get up there, it's a chain reaction that we are seeing it consistently affect in other ways. Not enough time to get the audible, not enough time to make sure everybody hears it. And it's hurting the team. So again, it's something that they have to speed up. For sure. And Co and Chris, appreciate you coming in on uh, on a Monday morning, on the morning after. Um, it's We're not quite as fired up as the gut reaction, but it's it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Uh, hasn't hasn't burned off completely. So thanks again, Chris. Appreciate you. Uh, Alex comes in. We touched on this a little bit, um, but you know the, the the stream viewers grow as we go along, and the algo bots make their way to you, and you come in maybe a little late. Says, do you think Hackett should give up on play calling? Um, I actually think I'd go the other direction on this, Alex. I think you should take ownership of play calling. Is is how I feel about it right now. I feel like he should be the man. You know, you're the one he, who is becoming the national punchline right now as Nathaniel Hackett. You're the one whose ass is on the line more than anybody right now. You know, yes, the Seattle guys are going to go after Russell Wilson and what's, what's going on, and some internally as well. But on a national scale, it's Nathaniel Hackett on the line with this and the way the team looks. Take ownership of it. Own it. Uh, we, we've got to – and Eric, what I was thinking, what I might do – Let's go no huddle. You know, I, I let, let, let's go no huddle. Let's take away the the time and the over laissez faire nature of this team. Getting up to the line, reading, make no believe in yourselves. Go to the line with a play. If you need a check, check it and go. I want to see. I want to see old Loyola Marymount run and gun for a little bit. You know, how do you take some of the uncertainty out of it? Put them in hyperactive mode. You know, when you're most pressed for time, I don't know about you, but that's when I focus the most. Everything else disappears 
when I'm when I'm super driven like that. I'd like to see some no huddle. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't think Hackett should give up play calling. I do think something has to be done. And I think that what it is is Wilson needs to be pushed out of the process on game day. Still have him be involved in the game when the timing of it really isn't as important where you don't have 40 seconds to get it in. I can't remember what team it was. I remember reading about this in the offseason about their unconventional way of calling plays. And it's a cooperative aspect of it with the with the offensive coordinator and the head coach where the offensive coordinator calls like four plays. He sends it down to the head coach and the head coach gives two to the quarterback and the quarterback then one of them is the main call. The other one's the audible or so, mm-hmm. it's something like that. And it's an interesting way that could potentially work with this with this hive mind, but it's still a thing of hack. It has to take ownership of the play calling. It was hyped up that he's going to be the play caller. That's such a great thing. Well, go out here, show it and mm-hmm. do it. Take ownership. Own it. Yep. Yeah. It, it's time. Uh, and Halbert Knopper is coming. This is the biggest embarrassment was Montreal not showing up during a kick return. Was that a kick return or a punt return? It, it was a, it was a punt return and okay, forgetting about I watched your... it on. I remember reading about this, but I, they didn't show it on the condensed version. Uh, and someone else said something about uh, in the chat. And I apologize, I don't remember who said it. You know, how do you forget to send them out, rookies? R- yeah. Rookies. I don't think Dwayne Stukes said, "Oh, you know what? I forgot to have a, a returner out there." I I think a rookie return man wasn't paying close enough attention, which is again it, that goes all the way up. You know, yes, Dwayne Stukes is going to take ownership for that, and he's going to be pissed. Uh, last week, he said it's been corrected about the return man driving backwards and catching a ball inside the 10. No, it wasn't, because that was, I think, the first punt return, <laughs> uh, backpedaling and catching on the five. And Washington did a good job of getting some positive yardage back. But what is your risk-reward? Because what happened on that play, Eric? A penalty. Yeah, yeah you, you you saved some yardage. You got back near the 20, 25-yard lines, but then there's a penalty on there. So, you know, dude, let it bounce. You know, let it let it bounce. So there's there's some rookie things going on with yeah. Montreal Washington for sure. It'll get and that will get better. I have I have full confidence because he's pretty damn electric with the ball in his hands. Yeah, it's just the getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. I think it was a second punt return where, I mean, there were some bad reads where he had an open lane, cut it back into a, a special teams cover guy. Like, there's issues with the rookie. And with it, he, it's that one play, it's being hyped up that, oh, they forgot the kick returner. But I'm with you. I think that it was more a situation of, I don't want to say he wasn't necessarily paying attention, but something got lost there that he didn't catch that he needed to be out there on the field. And it's growing pains. He's a, he is a fifth-round rookie, so there are going to be those. He has showed his the, the flashes that you want to see. For me, the bigger issue with special teams was the whole timeout delay a game debacle on a field goal attempt and then turning around and punting it. That's like, awful. Yeah, and my – I caught you points. My bigger issue with that is it was a 54-yard field goal. They get pushed back to the 59-yard yard line, and now they're punting it. Like, if you trust your punt, or you trust your kicker to kick a 64-yard field goal to win a game in Seattle where no kicker has ever made over a 57-yard field goal, but you're not trusting them in Denver, in the home crowd, to make a 59-yard field goal, that to me is a little weird. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the overcorrection aspect of it. It's just so many issues with the special team so many issues with all of this but that whole sequence just stood out to me in such a bad way and eric i can see that one just being being pissed you know it's like you guys can't get out there we're punting it you know <laughs> I, I think that one almost is like a punishment you know where it's close you guys can't get out there and get lined up then get off the freaking field you know that's <laughs> Uh, that's how I kind of interpreted that reaction a little bit. And this reaction, this is my reaction for Ethan coming in. Welcome back, Ethan. We've missed you on the morning show. I know he's been traveling a lot and lots going on over in England too. Coming in orange on Broncos for breakfast. He says, if play calling is a collaboration between Hackett, Alton, and Russell Wilson, then that needs to be done ASAP. As far as, you know, again, we talk about ownership. Too many cooks in the kitchen, all of that type of stuff. I think it was Eric that said just have Russell Wilson's input during the week, but game day is Hackett and Alton unless there's a timeout. And and frankly, Ethan, it, it who's calling the plays? That's where it needs to be. You know, Russell only needs one one voice in his ear. One. That's it. And it's Hackett telling him the play we're gonna run. And and as that he joked about that at one point about uh Russell Wilson wanted a two-way mic, and we said no. Um you know, that's it. There's no talk back. There's no back and forth in that. This is a play. Run it. Here's your check. Here's your audible. Run it and get it to him at 35 seconds, you know, so he's not going up to the line at 10. Yeah. And I think part of the issue here, and this isn't necessarily a slight at Russell Wilson. Part of the problem is he wants to be like Peyton Manning when he isn't. Peyton Manning saw the game completely different than anybody, almost anybody ever has. And most people, nobody ever will again, really. And Russell Wilson isn't that. Russell Wilson's not Peyton Manning. He can try to be all he wants. He just needs to accept being Russell Wilson and cutting back a little bit on the input he has when it comes to the play calling during the game. Just go out there, be you, do what you can do. Don't try to be somebody you're not. I appreciate you, Ethan, real quick. And uh, Luke has a question for you. Should Eric, should the Broncos sign OBJ? Odell Beckham Jr. Between Odell Beckham Jr. and KJ Hamler, the Broncos would have one good knee. Um, <laughs> I had this conversation with somebody yesterday, and 
I think that they do, especially if Judy's going to miss a few weeks, they do need to bring in a receiver because the wide receiver depth, like it was the Cortland Sutton show and Javante Williams running the ball. That That's what the offense was yesterday. They need another receiver. I don't know who's out there. That really makes a whole lot of sense for them. You have Cole, Ble- Cole Beasley, who just fits into the same kind of role that you're getting out of K- Kendall Hinton. Granted, much significantly better. And then there's all this stuff with Beasley and his attitude and some of his viewpoints and everything. And as a rookie coaching staff, how much do you want to take that on? Odell Beckham Jr., similar issues, health issues. Like, the, the, there's not much out there for veteran receiver help that really go is eye-popping. Will Fuller is probably one of the better options. But again, it's how much can you trust them to stay out there on the field? Well, and uh, I think you will probably see some. They're, you're working out players all week, every week. I think you'll probably see some wide receivers. We'll get some reports of wide receivers come in, had a tryout with the Broncos. Uh, wouldn't surprise me a bit. Uh, Kenny Booker, KB82, coming in on YouTube. He says, if I see Russ at the bar and he takes too long to order his drink, I'm going to start yelling five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, better duck. <laughs> better duck or one might be coming back at you but yeah um it's uh i i think it's it's embarrassing but it was you know good on you broncos fans you know this is an educated group who expects better this this is what i would call a knowledgeable fan base not the corporate crowds who are out there paying psls and which <laughs> i know that they're expensive and stuff but these are fans uh, they're, they're Broncos fans at the game. And yes, Scott, well, who else would be there? That's not how it is everywhere. It, it's not, it's, it's full of, you know, people showing up because they're, you know, their company gave them tickets and they're fans of somebody else. This is, this is a Bronco, an educated Broncos fans base. Get on them. You know, I, I understand. Do I condone the booing in the first half? You know, again, at the prices you pay, it's okay with me. Those are professionals out there. You know, they're, they're, those are professionals out there getting paid seven, sometimes eight figures. You can, you can expect better. I, I'm not too, uh, I'm not too harsh on you on that one, Eric. And expectations with the Broncos have been set high after all the years of Pat Bowen and the sustained success that we had for so many years that the team has had for so many years, expectations are high. Getting a new quarterback, new coaching staff, expectations are high. Just because things are new and everything, I mean, I don't think we should have this super overreactions of everybody should get fired, move on from everybody, but we should still be able to hold them accountable, critique their play with the understanding that there are still growing pains. And that's, that's what it is. There's growing pains. How much, how much time do they need to get through these growing pains? That is my concern here. And it's just, Got to hold them accountable. We talk about accountability on the team. We've talked about it for the last few years, accountability within the team. Well, fans holding the team accountable plays a part into all of that. Right. Um, I've said a zillion times, anger is what's worse than anger is apathy. Uh, You know, about the second quarter yesterday, I tweeted out, you know, who's, who's angrier right now, Broncos fans or Indianapolis Colts fans, because angry I had expectations and you aren't living up to them in a big way. I'm mad. I'm mad about that. 
You know, it's like, you know, someone, someone responded back to me, you know, I'm in Atlanta. I've got a lot of Atlanta followers. Someone responded back to me like, no, Georgia tech fans. I'm like, nobody cares about Georgia tech. <laughs> Georgia tech fans don't care about Georgia tech. That's not anger. That's complete apathy. They don't care. You know, Falcons fans are mad. Yes, yeah, some are, they're mad, but the, you know, the, the expectations going in the ones who were ridiculously off the charts, but Colts Broncos, you could find them in the top 10 of some power rankings at times. You know, that's the the national thing. So you're you're allowed to be a little angry and expect more because you know who expects more and is a little angry right now? The folks in Dove Valley. They're they're yeah. angry. They're not pleased with how things went. They're embarrassed with how things have gone. And they expect more. If they expect more of themselves, it's not too much for you to expect more of them either. Yeah, and I, I want to grab this because this plays into what I was gonna say. Jeremy, Sean says expectations are unreasonably high we need to come terms with the fact that success will take time it does but expectations i wouldn't say they're unreasonably high because they are the expectations those at dove valley put on this team they were sitting there talking about how it may take time to get it going but we want that super bowl they set the expectations and fans bought into it fans lapped it all up my expectation for them is to push for a playoff spot and they're still disappointing that. I wasn't expecting a high-flying, super-powered offense right away, but I was expecting better than what we've got. And and, and Eric, it's competency that you know. Yeah. It, that's not too much to expect. I, I'm not expecting 25 penalties. I'm not expecting. I think I, I heard um, three delay of game calls, and it feels like there could have been 50. There were two last year. Two, two delay games last year. There's been three already. Expecting not to do those things that's not having too high expectations that's what has people really really frustrated not the one in one record that's not as frustrating as how you've gone about the one in one record which makes you think that one in one that the playoffs that we were hoping for were so far away from that that it's not even funny right now we're just hoping to play competent football which we didn't think would be an issue yeah, and the the frustration is is that these were both games that the Broncos should have won, even with the concerns of the, it taking time to gel and getting things going. These were two games that they should have won, and they're sitting at one and one. That loss to Seattle is going to have an impact on the playoff. Every loss does, but it's gonna be it's gonna be heightened a little bit because the Broncos haven't even got to their tough part of the schedule yet. And that's why it was so important that the Broncos not necessarily come out hot, but they come out doing well early on in the season, taking part of the slightly easier schedule. Because after I think it's week six or seven, it's a complete nightmare of a schedule. Yeah, it becomes really tough. Um, luckily, you got the Raiders in the in your division. No, I'm I'm teasing a little bit. You know, the, the Raiders aren't necessarily the juggernaut that people were expecting. Um, Mandango Dan comes in. Uh, with a question, he says, do you think Mr. Walton is having buyer's remorse? No, not oh. at all. Um, th this is an investment. Um, you get to go out and rub shoulders with people and you're in a fraternity of 32 uh, of the one of the most exclusive billionaire boys clubs in the entire world. And it's an appreciating asset. This you will not lose a dime on this investment. And frankly, this franchise will be worth $8 billion in five or six years. So it's, no, I do not. No <laughs> one that has bought a professional team in any of the major leagues in uh, 
in the United States monopolist system has buyer's remorse because they all make seven, eight, nine figures on their sale. Yeah, I mean, he went, they went into this knowing that they'll get their money back eventually, like sooner rather than later, that they're, it's just going to grow. They're going to be able to get a return on investment, a major one, if they decide to sell the team down the road. Like, there's no remorse whatsoever. And I don't want to say owners don't care about the win-loss record. They 100% do. They 100% care about the performance. What they care more about is still making that money. And uh, this becomes a huge game right here. You know, Keep It Real Denver comes in. He says, taking care of the Raiders week four is major now. And again, that was, for me... We were talking about what games are you looking forward to most? Uh, you know, week one was big, but this one also becomes big. Uh, and it's only going to magnify depending on the results this next week. Uh, you know, San Francisco is no gimme. That's for sure. I, I think the Broncos may be actually uh, home dogs by a point now. And for my money, this team is better in the short term with Jimmy G than they were with Trey Lance. So, you know, we'll see if that pans out. Now, positives. You know, we're 44 in. It wasn't all bad. Uh, Eric, who are, what, are, what are some of the good things you saw that give you reason to say, okay, I like the way this guy's playing. I like the way this happened. Uh, you know, what were some of the positive takeaways for you? Well, I don't want to say the whole defense. I still have issues more so with the coverage aspect of it. I don't like playing off so much, especially against teams that love the quick strike offense. But... And well, actually, there's not a but. It compounds with that is with how good the pass rush is doing, you want to buy more time for them to get home. Denver has what six sacks on the season, five or six sacks on the season. They got a couple last night, they got some against Seattle. Like, and they had opportunity for even more if Davis Mills multiple times didn't get the ball out in under two seconds. They were getting close to him quickly, just needed that extra split second. This pass rush has been absolutely phenomenal. It has met my expectations of what I expected of them. DJ Jones has been phenomenal. He's exceeded my expectations. Randy Gregory, like, I think that my best play of Randy Gregory was there was a point where he walks up just half-assed and tries to punch out the ball for the fumble <laughs> with minimal effort. I was laughing so hard at that, and I said immediately that was worth it. But then he got a strip sack later. Another the play was like, yeah, the play was already dead, Eric. Yeah. Like they were holding him up, and he goes up and just takes a swing. I'm like, good lord, if he misses, there's gonna be a brawl. Yeah, and what's funny to me is in the game against Seattle, Kareem Jackson did almost the same thing and full on decked Geno Smith in the face. Um <laughs> that's what I said. That could, you gotta be careful with that because technically he's throwing a punch. Yeah, and offensively, Javante Williams, like I still have issues with his vision, but in this game, I saw a effort on him to do better there. He did a better job at trying to find the open lane and reading his keys as a runner and hitting them. And it was, it was great to see. There was one play where he tried to bounce it outside, which is what makes it clear that there was some coaching done there trying to get him to go outside. And he ended up, losing probably about two yards from what he would have got if he just lowered and straight ahead. But it's a work in progress, and that is great to see. I like the progress that we're getting from Javante Williams, especially with despite the statistical performance he had week one, his vision was a complete mess, and he left so many yards on the field. 
Yeah, Randy's one of those guys that he's the quintessential rusher and that he seems to be gone for most of it. But when he shows up, he shows up big. Like he's just kind of doing a job. You don't really think about him that much. And all of a sudden he comes away with two or three game-changing plays, which you really can't ask anymore from your edge. He had a he had a great play in the uh I had it in my notes in the in the, the their second drive where he gets some pressure on there and uh and and forces a punt out of that one. Um for me, uh, I I put down just DJ Jones is a freaking menace. He is a menace on that line. Um keep him healthy, keep him as fr- fresh as you can. Get some uh you know, get some rotation in there because it's a different defense when DJ Jones is there. Y'all have heard me say a zillion times, if you're in a base 3-4, which I don't know how much the Broncos are actually doing right now, but if you can get anything, any kind of pass rush at all from especially your nose guard, uh, it's it's just it's not just gravy. It's like gravy with an extra helping of mashed potatoes. I mean, it's, it's huge. And he has got just super quick hands. Just watch him. Just spend two seconds watching him, y'all. Watch him right up the snap. Watch his hands, how quickly he can get through the line and just dispatch a guy just because he's he's beating them with his hands. It's something that seems very simple, uh, but it's it's they're elite, Eric. Yeah, and it's one reason why when they go to their bear fronts, which the Broncos are doing a lot of, I don't like the fact that their bear fronts is, per, is Purcell as a four-eye and Jones staying as a nose tackle. I'd rather see that flipped because Jones has shown to me he has the quickness and the hands to work as a four-eye, whereas Purcell doesn't. So I'd like to see that flip, but Jones has been phenomenal. Draymond Jones has been really good too, and thankfully they have been because the rest of the defensive line has been terrible. Um, And another one who, unsung hero, I think, is Baron Browning. There was one play where they lined up. They had only Draymond and DJ Jones out on the field, and they had Gregory, Chubb, and Browning, and it was such a beautiful play by the defense. Blew it up and got a ended up getting an incompletion. Like it was just such a beautiful play, and that I want to see more of that. Wanted to call it Aaron Patrick towards the end with a uh, he did a really good job on punt coverage. You know, watching special teams, I saw 94 down there uh, doing some good things. I had a question, and I hope you saw this because it it looked like he was falling in a hole and he may never recover. Did Nico Collins ever make his way out of that kicking net? Because I think <laughs> the kicking net won that one. I I, I, did, I didn't see him get up from there. I saw him fall into that thing and disappear. I I was laughing at that. I felt bad because it looked like that he tweaked his ankle during it. They were he was on the sideline wrapping it up. But that was a pretty funny whole situation. And I love seeing Aaron Patrick getting praised. I thought he had a really good preseason. He was one that I had making this roster for a long time because of his play on special teams. And he did such a good job. He did a good job against Seattle as well. He's so disciplined with what he's supposed to do on special teams. And I continue. I I want to see continued growth on defense because when he has, he's flashed there. I'd love to see it grow. um, See it grow. And uh, especially with how the Broncos edge room could potentially look next year. I think that we'll see a pretty drastic change with Bradley Chubb being most likely on his way out. Um, I like to keep an eye on what does the defense do? You know, not necessarily when, when I'm trying to grade coordinators, what are they doing? You know, if, if you miss a play, whatnot, but third and 15 on their final drive, they brought five. 
they brought yeah. pressure on third and 15 and they were able to force a bad pass. And then on fourth and 15, they dropped off. Um, you know, but the thing was the Broncos were still able to get pressure with four, you know, and if you can do that, you can be a very dangerous defense. And I think, you know, even with some players missing, I mean, Justin Simmons wasn't out there. Patrick Sertan wasn't out there. They, I mean, we're not talking, we're not facing Mahomes and the chiefs out there, but this is still a, a, an NFL offense and they put the screws to them. They, they really limited in everything they did. So while I feel like most of our complaints are coming on the offensive side of the ball because your head coach is your play caller in theory. And the discombobulation right now looks like it's almost entirely on offense. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I have some issues with certain things they are doing on defense, but we are actually seeing progress with the unit. Despite the injuries, we saw them tighten the screws. They had that rough start against Seattle and they turned around and had a really good second half against Seattle. They had a very solid game, consistently good game against the Texans. There were a couple plays that they were lucky, a drop touchdown by Brandon Cooks, which isn't very common, um, stands out. And But they do need to improve their run defense, which hopefully will come with time. Hopefully getting Josie Jewell back will help there. Um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Alex Singleton being the bare front linebacker is extremely infuriating. But we're seeing progress from them, which is why there's a lot more hope with the defense. Not so much with the offense. And that's it's such a concern. Like if you get it, it was a shootout with Davis Mills and the Texans, like because the offense just couldn't do enough. It was a shootout with the Seattle Seahawks led by Geno Smith because the offense fumbled away twice. Like just this constant shooting yourself in the foot. Like <laughs> it's just so terrible. Yeah, your shootout shouldn't be at yourself. They shouldn't be self-inflicted <laughs> wounds. That's 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 bad. That's Plaxico Burris. Um, real quick call to action. We've got a lot of new eyes in here today, or at least a lot of folks that haven't watched in a while are here pushing 300 concurrent on uh, on a Monday morning. So hit that like button, hit that share button, hit that subscribe button because we'd love to see you again. This is a, a good show, and I'm, I'm certain a good show. I'm biased; doesn't mean I'm wrong to, to be a part of on your on your drive time um, commute and whatnot. Or for those of you out of the area, you know, Peter, uh, Ethan, overseas, it's a it's a good time to uh, to have some lunch. But um, Eric, I think we've got to just about get out of here. Uh, any final thoughts on what you've seen, where it can go? How quickly, I guess that's it. How quickly do you think some of these obvious problems can be corrected? Oh, I I think it's we're still looking at two to three weeks, and by then it might be a little bit too late to save the season. We did see some correction of the issues from Seattle, but it was what we talked about earlier. It was just a complete overcorrection. They went from one extreme to the other, and you can't do that. You got to find that that middle ground, that balance. Um, ideally, they find it for San Francisco. I'm going to stick with the fact that I think they beat San Francisco simply because I'll be there, and they'll keep that 100% win rate. Yeah, but and Nick's staying in Seattle, who's got a 100% <laughs> lose rate. So Eric's there, Nick isn't. Thank Mile High Huddle. But like, there's so much to be concerned about. Billy Turner potentially starting at right tackle against Bosa is concerning. Like, the, 
in this next game where Denver's weak at is where San Francisco can just complete attack over and over again. Issues with the run defense. Well, the Seattle the the 49ers have such a good run game. Like it's such a it's such a concern. It's gonna take time, which we all knew, but mm, week six, maybe, and as I said, that just might be too late, unfortunately. I don't know. Again, some of this stuff feels so obvious that it should be easy to fix. Listen, our play calling method, our structure, however it is, our process isn't working. We're getting to the line of scrimmage too late. Okay, well, let's eliminate a step. Yep. Easy enough. I mean, that that seems like it should be handled. And the penalties, I'd like to think that could be cleared up. The drops, I'm hoping that doesn't become a freaking plague because that can be contagious. But like you said, what, five drops from four different players? That wasn't just one guy. You know, I've seen a lot of call it for Jerry Judy in here. Jerry had a quarter of the drops. It wasn't just him. Actually, 20% of the drops. Wasn't just him, for goodness sakes. Uh, Chris coming in with the stars uh, on Facebook. Appreciate you. And he says, uh, Chris, damn, what a callback with Plaxico Burris. Remember, I'm old. I remember that <laughs> stuff. I can't remember last week. The new, the short term has a hard term, hard term becoming long term in my mind. But I, I remember the old things. Those stick. Don't ask me what happened two weeks ago, but I can name all my elementary school teachers or, you know, any hair metal band album that you, if you, if you want to play the, play the music, I'll know the lyrics. Don't need to, but I know that stuff. So <laughs> on that note, I think we've got to get out of here. Uh, everybody appreciates you. Uh, appreciate you driving again. Hit the, that like, subscribe and share as you've come in and hopefully we'll see you again. Uh, this was Broncos for breakfast, and I'm going to pay a little shout out to uh, to Nick and just say, hey, choose kindness, choose compassion, and for all y'all, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.